This is The Long Run Show with Austin P. Wilson and Michael J. O'Connor. The Long Run Show is brought to you by Benzinga Podcasts for listeners like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Long Run Show. This is your co-host, Austin Wilson and Michael O'Connor. And for, I, I have to say right off the bat, uh, I don't know if everyone else has noticed, but we got a snazzy new intro-outro combo. That big shout out to uh, Nick Thomas, one of our lovely British writers on our team. He had uh, the good graces to provide a little color commentary at the beginning, and I, I just love it. What are your thoughts, Austin? Oh, I love it too. I I, I feel like we're at the BBC every time we uh, every time we do the show. <laughs> it's just a it's just a grand old time. And and also shout out to our amazing producer uh, Asley. She did a great job putting that together and and coordinating everything so that we sound good. And well, I mean, we look good. You can't see us, but we look good. Just so you know. <laughs> Anyways, today we are going to talk about um, and hopefully do an interesting and compelling job talking about one of the most boring topics ever, which is insurance. Okay, um, we, we thought this was was actually a great fit for our podcast because this show is all about the long run. Right. And there's nothing more long run than insurance. Insurance is all about risk mitigation, and you're talking about, you know, some, sometimes decades-long risk mitigation, sometimes just risks that are 100% going to happen, like your death, or sometimes it's risks that may not happen, like flood insurance for your house. So we're going to cover all of that today, um, maybe even get into what might be dubbed insurance for your portfolios with the options. We might, we might talk about that as well. Um, but right off the bat... Mike, do you want to you want to say something real quick, and then we'll kind of hop into the the different types of insurance and kind of lay some groundwork. Yeah, I think this will be a fun one because this is one where you definitely have the more optimistic view on the subject matter, which is a, a little <laughs> flipped, I think, compared to some of our previous episodes. Probably, uh, I'm Probably. a I'm a <laughs> I'm a big game theory guy, and ninety uh, percent of the time, insurance is a is a bad bet for the insurer, the insuree. Um, you know, it's like if they if they weren't going to make money off of it, why would they be offering it? So it's a really unique value prop where you have to, at least in my opinion, you have to have psychoeconomic benefits that outweigh um, the cost, which I think is 100 percent there. And in life insurance or, uh, you know, fire insurance for your house, car insurance, stuff like that, where it would be just absolutely awful to have something happen and not have insurance. Um, but I don't know, stuff like electronics, insurance, appliances, stuff like that. It's it's really hard to make a compelling uh, value prop, in my opinion. But I am I am excited to to dive in. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, discuss. yeah. So so I think you're you might be right on the service. We may have uh, some differing uh, or flip flopped, I guess, um, opinions here. Usually, you know, I, I, you can go back and listen to some other episodes. I'm usually very pessimistic when it comes to things, uh, or at least at the very least cynical. Um, I'm, or I'm cautious, not... you know? Yeah. 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 So this is right up my alley. Um, now I think it would be important to just kind of define some of the different things. So we usually, when people think of insurance, they think of like, auto insurance. That's the that's the first thing they think of. Something you're required to have by the government. You know, it's just kind of there. It's a necessary, I guess, evil as some people might put it. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I have been in a couple accidents. I will tell you, it's pretty nice having, uh, having auto insurance, um, even though we are required to have it to drive, you know, I mean, in the, in the US at least. Um, so that's probably the first thing people think about insurance uh, when, when the topic comes up, you know, auto insurance. Okay, cool. There's a lot of other ones out there. 
there's renters or home insurance. People are very familiar with that. Then, then of course, you've got uh, the life insurance side of things, which is its whole other beast. It's its own monster in and of itself. Um, you've got people saying, oh, it's an investment. Oh, it's a, it's an insurance product. Oh, it's this. So oh, it's that. Oh, it can do 10 different things at one time. Um, that's, that's a wild, wild world. Um, and then you have the other insurances, like you were talking about, Mike, where it's insurance for like electronics. Like I've been tried, uh, platforms try to upsell me every time I buy an electronic, whether it's, you know, through Best Buy or Amazon or eBay, they're always like, oh, you want to insure this electronic device? And I'm like, oh no, thank you. I don't really want to. <laughs> and, uh, Very Midwestern insurance electronics, I guess. <laughs> well, I think they know their customer. I'm pretty sure they, uh. They've, they've got my, my IP address and have uh, geofenced me in with a, a different uh, voiceover. Anyways, um, I digress. So you got those those sort of like device or appliance based insurances, um, which never I, I never get them. I'm, I'm not that cautious. Um, so I've never got them. And of course, you've got health insurance, which we, that is such a, a big topic in and of itself um, that, you know, we can we can touch on it, but we're not nearly going to, to scratch the surface on that today. So those are kind of the main consumer insurances. Now, there's really funky things that happen in the insurance world. So like there's actually a subset of insurance companies for insurance companies, which is wild. There are insurers for the insurers. So they're insuring the risk that the insurers take on. I know that sounds huh. <laughs> very meta and kind of ridiculous, but it is a thing because, you know, insurance companies, if they don't pay out on a legitimate claim of, of some sort, whether it's, you know, a, let's say a death claim for life insurance or, you know, some sort of health health insurance claim or um, house house insurance claim, if they don't pay out on it, um, that really, really ruins their reputation. And most of insurance is about trusting the company that you're with uh, because you're, you're, you know, there's a, there's a higher level of trust because it's an ongoing transaction. You're paying premiums usually monthly or yearly uh, for the insurance on whatever it is. And that's different than, than a, you know, one-time buy or, or even a subscription product where you're getting, you know, a magazine monthly or an email monthly. It's, it's very different. It's intangible, and, and a lot of the value is based on, on trust. So there's that subset, which is another part of the, the insurance world. Um, and, and then, of course, there's really interesting things like life insurance companies do really interesting things with their portfolios um, where they will use options to basically insure or guarantee a return on a portion of, of your dollars, uh, you know, put into the premium dollars, put into the policy, they'll kind of guarantee a portion of that. So there's lots of moving parts within the insurance world, but that's kind of the, the main breakdown. Did, did I miss anything there? Um, Mike? Well, I, I always, I always enjoyed the origin story of insurance, which is when the, uh, the East India and West India trading companies and the, all the, the big shipping companies were dominant, any, any smaller player, they could maybe afford one or two big trading vessels, a big, uh, big sailboat, sailing ship. And if, if it sunk in a storm or got looted by pirates or something, the, the company would just go bankrupt. You'd be completely hosed. And so the very first insurance companies were for merchant uh, vessels 
and to ensure so that if you get sunk by a storm, everyone doesn't immediately lose all of their livelihoods and go bankrupt, which I think is is so wild. And that's where Vanguard's logo comes from the the mm-hmm. the ship with the um, so kind of the at least I believe that's originally their their story behind the logo. So I think it's a fascinating uh, fascinating thing where you have the this idea of a cataclysmic event. It's such insurance is such a human thing. And I yeah. mean that in like only <laughs> it's such a unique um, like all of the idiosyncrasies and funky heuristics of of humanity just seem to come out in insurance. Like it's such a a unique and just it, I, I honestly think it's fun to talk about even how how boring most people think it is. It's like the the psychology and the, the ramifications of every layer of insurance are just so interesting to me, at least so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's and I've seen, you know, I, I in a past life was a financial advisor for a while and and that sometimes involved insurance. And there were more, you know, there were advisors in uh, where I worked uh, that were were selling more insurance than others. Um, you know, some didn't do hardly any or they farmed it out to a different advisor or something. But I'd been in meetings talking to clients, um, you know, watching advisors present to clients. And it is always the insurance conversation is, I mean, all of money is emotional, but the insurance conversation is more um, emotional than pretty much any other part of the the whole financial planning or financial advising kind of conversation. Um, And so it's really interesting that you bring that up because it definitely is a human thing. Like only us humans can abstract enough to think into the future to go, oh, that that might be a horrible situation. Can I get away from that somehow? Or can I like lessen that future potential blow um, to my whatever appliance or life uh, and legacy? <laughs> you know, it, can I lessen that? We, we have a we have kind of a, a ridiculous ability to, to abstract and think into the future. And so it is, it is interesting you bring that up because the, the, the conversations that I've seen just on a, a personal level and on a human-to-human level are always very emotional. So that, that kind of makes sense. It's just about the most long-run topic we could even talk about. Like in terms of, of, in terms of human long time, we could, we could talk about the heat death of the universe if we wanted to. But, but in terms of <laughs> the long-run show being about people and uh, finances and everything, and I think it's just about the the epitome of long run that we could talk about because it requires in order to even perceive a a benefit, you have to take a a very long run look at things and imagine your future self reacting to things. You can't, you can't imagine your current state um, engaging or losing something. You have to kind of step out of and have empathy for your future self, which is extremely interesting. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. So the different, the different topics here, the different uh, pieces of insurance I laid out. What? Let's go through those because you have an interesting view here. You said you don't think insurance is worth it 90% of the time. So I guess first, kind of explain yourself. <laughs> and then and then second, um, let's walk through those different pieces of insurance and see which you think might be worth it or not worth it. Because um, it sounds like there might be different kind of arguments with, with each one. So Go ahead and explain yourself, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I think the best way I can explain it is with a, with an analogy to blackjack. Uh, if you ever ever play blackjack, there is this 
almost always. I've never seen a game where they don't have it, but there's always a bar with it just says insurance. And so that's if the dealer, the dealer is showing a an ace uh, or a 10 card, you can you can buy insurance. And if they get a blackjack, you get a payout from that. So it's a way to bet on on the, the dealer having a blackjack. So you're instantly going to lose. So it's this kind of psychological benefit to, to, you know, it's like, oh, shoot, he's got a blackjack. I got to I got to make some money off this or, or not lose all my money. And it's the probability is always it's never in favor of taking the insurance. You're all, you're always significantly better off by not taking insurance. Um, and that's kind of a just how insurance works and the broad scheme of things, because I mean, if you think about it, no, no insurance company could be in business if it didn't work that way. Um, there'd be, there'd be no way to, if everyone was crashing their cars all the time, insurance companies wouldn't exist because you couldn't, or the premiums would be so incredibly high um, that only, you know, only a very small segment of people could afford it. So you have to, and, and, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. So it's, it's, I think a qualifier to my statement of, you know, I think most most possible uses of insurance out there are not a net benefit for for you. Like it's not, it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily make sense economically to engage in it. So like a like a like classic like appliances, phones, um, a lot of stuff that computers, a lot of stuff, and and that stuff has kind of come out more recently that more and more companies are pushing that because I mean, at least from my perspective is like, because like, okay, you can make a lot of money charging premiums. Um, when, whenever anyone buys an iPhone, just charge them oh, yeah, three bucks a month or 10 bucks a month, whatever. It doesn't seem like much, but the probability of them breaking that over the course of the, the plan without, you know, it's very low comparatively. So you can make a lot of money with insurance because you're, you're playing on that loss aversion. Um, those, those kind of natural human tendencies and on the other side, you know, you have kind of the really big stuff like life insurance, home insurance, uh, car insurance, where the the effects, if 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 you run into a situation that you would utilize it, the effects of not having it are, are very, very high. And the health insurance is a, is a great example. And that's something that is a very, you know, can be a very political discussion, can be uh, all over the board in regards to how health insurance works in the United States versus other places and everything. But I think just to to sum it up very briefly is it's it's a very interesting um, scenario where you know it's it's another situation where things can go very wrong and in the I think the psychoeconomic benefit so like the the kind of deep understanding of value in the human brain um, that's outside of dollar signs or anything like that kind of understands the value in in those kind of insurances and I think I think that that is significant and not necessarily to be disregarded. So I, I definitely, I've definitely met people who say never do any kind of insurance because, because of just the, the probabilities, like never, ever do anything insurance. Like you just, if you're going to do life insurance, just save the premium instead and then give it to your kids or something like that. So there are some very, there are some very interesting takes out there that are like, Oh, never do any <laughs> insurance, which Dang. if you're purely looking at the statistics, like sure. Like if you're purely looking at it in a probabilistic way, but at the same time, it's like, I think that there is real value in that, that, that the psychological side. So, I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm just confused by the guy who said, don't ever buy insurance ever. And because I'm like, well, 
if you, anyways, the probability of that person <laughs> who's told you that dying is a hundred percent. So oh, I yeah. don't know what oh, probabilities yeah. he's looking at. Um, <laughs> this, that's beside the point. We don't need to, to argue with an imaginary uh, person who's not part of this podcast. So, okay. So it seems like what you're saying is insurance for things that can be pretty easily replaced and or um, things where you, I mean, you're not going to get rid of car insurance. You're required to have it by most states laws, um, in at least in the U.S. here. So you're saying like, okay, barring anything that you're required to have um, or anything that would be, you know, easy to replace, then you can look at getting insurance. And then it's really just kind of a cost benefit from a, from a um, kind of emotional perspective. Is, is that, is that what you're saying? Pretty much is that a good way to sum it up. I, I would say so. Cause uh, the same thing with like, I just recently, I, I travel pretty routinely. I never, never, ever booked travel insurance. Uh, never have before, but then I just recently did purchase travel insurance for a, a big trip coming up just because I was like the cost benefit of, okay, if this gets canceled and you get, I mean, you could take risk into account, you know, there's always the risk yeah. of COVID lockdowns or flights being canceled, et cetera. So it depends on the, the, the full scenario of risk as well. So that was the first time I've ever bought travel insurance and never buy like uh, U-Haul insurance when moving or renting any, any objects or anything like that. Um, and, and so I think, I think what you said is pretty spot on because it's the, you have to, you have to have kind of an internal conversation and say, do I actually consider this worth the extra? And I think one of the, one of the really important ways that insurance kind of can masquerade itself as this, just like a no brainer kind of thing, even on small products like that is because if you're looking at like a phone, like if you're getting a new eight, $900 iPhone and they say, look, you just add on insurance on this full coverage for like 10, 15 bucks a month, something like that. It sounds, oh my gosh, like $15 a month compared to $900. Like that's, that's so, that's so little money. Like I don't care about that much money compared to the 900. So it's like, okay, that's, that's a great deal. You know, who knows? I might break it. I don't have to repay the $900. And then the next day you could be buying, you know, a, a, a meal for $15. And so it's, 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 there's a lot of anchoring that goes on as well um, that makes insurance seem cheap when, you know, the product itself is expensive. Right. And I think that's a very common psychological phenomenon as well. It's like that that's an easy, an easy way to kind of create uh, subscription plans towards just the, the psychological benefit of, not worrying about whether it's going to break or not, which is a, I think it's a really fascinating phenomenon. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So I, I would probably agree with you on like phones and appliances. And I mean, I, I think it, like you said, kind of depends on the whole situation, but like for a long haul move using U-Haul, I might just buy the insurance. Cause I'm like, well, I've had an accident before. So Maybe I'm going to have one again. Maybe I'm just that bad of a driver. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm like, you know, don't tell my insurance company. But the the thing is like, okay, maybe I would do that. But that's considering my scenario, right? And so it's, it's not necessarily true for everybody. Um, I did want to go back, though, to something you said in your explainer of, of, oh, well, if 
you know, if there was, um, if, if the insurance was actually worth it, insurance companies wouldn't be making, making a buck. And you, you said something about, well, premiums would have to be super high, uh, for, for there to actually be any, like if, if everyone was crashing their cars and using the insurance premiums would have to be super high because everybody would be using it. And so since not everyone's using it, therefore no one should get it. Um, and that was kind of, that was kind of what I heard. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but the, that thought process, um, for at least some insurances. So I'm thinking, uh, let's, let's just compare apples to apples. So let's go term and term life insurance, which term life insurance, you pay, uh, a, usually a monthly or a yearly premium for 15 years of coverage or 30 years of coverage or 20 years of coverage during that term. If you die, you get paid out the amount that you're insured for. So term life insurance, car insurance, renter's insurance, uh, home insurance. Let's, let's compare those. Cause they're all kind of the same. You're paying for a term, you're paying usually some sort of monthly or annual premium price for that. Um, the reason, so to push back on what you said, well, it's it doesn't work because, or it's not worth it because you know the they're taking advantage of you. The, the you know the life the insurance company is taking advantage of you because there's just more um, or, or there people are not using it enough. Therefore, you shouldn't get it. Hopefully, I'm not strawmanning you. Step in if I am, but I think a little bit. But I'm interested okay. to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> well, the the idea behind it is that actually what you brought up at the beginning, where the the ships were insuring each other on a long voyage because they if if one of them or many of them lost the ships that that were in their fleet, they didn't want to have to basically like bear the brunt of that all themselves. They wanted to spread that that burden out across multiple people. Well, the, the same idea holds true that the, what you were saying about, well, yeah, if everybody was crashing their car and using the insurance claims, um, then, you know, the insurance company wouldn't be making a buck. You might be really getting the best out of your insurance. You might be getting a new car for, you know, a couple hundred bucks in premium. Um, but there would obviously be opportunity costs there. Anyways, um, you might be getting a new car, but then the premiums would all just have to go up. Well, the idea with, having uh, large pools of people insuring one another is that you spread around the risk and the burden, right? And so I guess what I'm saying is that the, the idea that, oh, well, the, it's just the, the, the insurance company making a buck on a low probability event. That is somewhat true, I guess, because they do have to make a buck, but also the, the main, um, the main mechanism for that to happen is not that the event is low probability or the risk is low probability, but it's there, there's enough people to spread the risk around so it can reduce the burden for any individual risk. It can reduce the burden. Whereas if they didn't have the risk spread around or the, the burden, financial burden in this case spread around, it would be a full, you know, hundred percent, whereas it can maybe be 10% of that, that burden. Does that make sense? No, definitely. I, I and I, I totally agree with that. It's something where it's similar to like a credit union, uh, where you have right. an, an, a, a conglomerate of, of individual players that creates a situation where the risk is significantly lower for for everyone. So it, it's I, I, I definitely agree. It's I, I guess maybe maybe I threw my perspective out a little too harsh in the beginning of 
I think my perspective is is more just like if you simply take um, like the individual's perspective from each like each individual player in that whole game's perspective, um, sometimes it can be a hard sell uh, to to be willing to to take on the the risk of the of the group as a whole. Um, but it, it but it's a very good point. It's like insure. I don't. I definitely don't think that insurance companies are fraudulent or are just taking people's money or anything like that. It's not, I definitely agree that, uh, you know, insurance is, is a necessity in this day and age. And, and it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's not, it's not, not at all a bad thing. Um, and I, I, maybe I came off like that a little, a little too <laughs> pessimistic, like short the I, insurance companies. <laughs> definitely don't. That's a bad idea. Um, and it's a good thing you're not, you know, anti-insurance. Otherwise you, you might, I don't know, maybe you disappear. Insurance companies. <laughs> True. They um, got a lot of- it's kind of like messing with the Fed, you know, it's, it's like the Fed, big pharma and insurance companies. It's like, you just let them be there doing their thing anyways that's a whole <laughs> maybe a maybe a better qualifier to my original statement of like 90 percent of insurance i think i meant more like 90 percent of the offers for insurance that you'll come across over the mm. course of your life mm. are not worth it so the kind of a lot of the more like substandard like like regular events like getting a new phone getting new appliances getting new products uh, moving traveling the kind of insurances that ironically almost almost a, a weird negative correlation between the amount of times that you would use the insurance in your lifetime compared comparatively it seems like the amount of times it's if you're only use it once like life insurance or hopefully your house only burns down once if it burns <laughs> down at all um but, but you know like insurances that you would worst case scenario only use one maybe two times i think have the most intrinsic value and are probably the best, like the best value, both simple economically and psychoactively as well. Right. Uh, whereas the insurances that you could end up using many times, you could break your phone many times. Like, like the, 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 the possible risk to the insurance company of uh, someone who is, is, you know, maybe just drops their phone a lot and, you know, they have to average that out. So they probably have, you know, people who drop their phone a ton of times are the outliers on one end. And, you know, the vast majority of people don't, but they end up having to pay extra for that. And it's a whole, uh, a whole funky situation situation. So I would amend my statement and say more like the, the number uh, the, over the course of a lifetime, most of the insurance, most of the possible insurance things that you'll be offered are, are not worth it. But does that? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that that I, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, on that because i mean i i guess i would probably agree mostly with what you said or i would agree most with what you said on you know there's almost a weird negative correlation where if you're gonna use the insurance a lot it's probably not worth it whereas if you don't use it a lot um but i guess actually let me go back let me let me say this i think it's actually if the the burden of the risk um, it, of that that thing happening, it's not necessarily that that thing is likely to happen, but that if it did happen, could be catastrophic. I think that's when insurance makes sense, rather than if there's a high probability or a low probability, uh, because I mean, there may be a higher probability that 
you know, I'm going to get in a car accident rather than my house is going to burn down. But both are still really bad and they would both be very damaging and burdening if they happen. So I want to I want to ensure both of those risks. Yeah. Um, does that, does that make sense? That. So it's almost yeah. like a like a burden. Like what's the what's the burden of the risk, not what's the probability of the risk? Ooh, that's an interesting definition. I, I kind of like that. How does this because we you know we, there's a lot of ways to have quasi insurance on your like investment portfolio, whether you're you know using hedging tools, whether you're using uh, funky options plays, uh, whether you're you know buying interest rate swaps or treasury swaps, or there's a lot of different ways to have kind of quasi insurance um, in a portfolio or or over the course of a lifetime. But we we still didn't get to. I want to dig more into your you're comparing contrasting each of the kind of more common long run insurance um, things. But what you just said almost makes me think that it's maybe not a great play to, to be regularly insuring your portfolio, insuring quote unquote, you know, using um, hedging tools that perhaps may be reducing your upside. So it's an interesting, if there is that kind of actual correlation between, you know, the amount of use Like the amount of times if you're, you know, hedging and and this is just financial tools and instruments in general, there are so many hedging tools out there. Um, You got to think about the premium involved and that's, you know, theta gang, (laughs) but it's, it's like this, this, if, if these, if these tools are being used extremely regularly, uh, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're uh, a funky value prop going on there. So just just a thought. I mean, just to put meat on those bones, I think you're probably right. Um, because I just I just read through a uh, an ETF. I was doing some research on this ETF company, and they basically offer um, some ETFs that will try to to basically insure a whatever you put in the ETF for twelve months. So they want to insure or or reduce the downside. They don't use insure because they can't. It's an ETF company, but they <laughs> they want to reduce the downside. Um, to basically shave off the first 10 to 12%, excuse me, downside for that year. So the idea is they're, they're all pegged. They basically use option strategies on the S&P 500 and they're pegged from, let's say February 1 to, of 2022 to February 1 of 2023. Same thing. They have 12 of them for each month of the year. And so you can buy this, this buy into the strategy essentially through an ETF where you can insure against the first 10 to 12% of the of the market dip. However, the rest of that, like let's say the market drops 30% in the year, you're only going to save the first 20 or the first 10%. They they are not going to be able to save you from the the huge drops. So their idea is, well, we can and again this is it's an ETF so it's very hard. They use a lot of qualifying statements, but essentially their idea is we want to help you with the little, you know, kind of smooth out the 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 bumps in your portfolio, and we want to help you with the the little downswings while maintaining upside, rather than totally protecting you against like the largest largest bear market that we might have in that twelve month period. Um, so, kind of an interesting thing because I don't think they were close to to one percent for the expense ratio, and I was like, you know, I don't think that would really be worth it if they're not going to fully protect the downside. You know, if they're only going to protect the first 10%, I don't think it's really worth me paying them 1% of all the funds invested for for that 
insurance because it's not the biggest risk. The biggest risk is a 30% downturn, like a, like a 2008 or something. Right. And so I would want to protect against that risk, which there are other products out there, usually in insurance where you can do that. You can basically have zero downside with a cap on the upside, which is really interesting. Um, the only reason they do that is because they, they have a lot of money so they can, they can ensure that, um, that, that kind of floor and, and ceiling approach, but they also use options. Um, but they're, they're very effective at it because they have a lot of money. So, so the options and, and the fact that they have a lot of capital behind it, make them able to offer those sorts of products, but a very interesting, you know, kind of scenario there where it's like, yeah, this isn't really worth me insuring quote unquote, the, the first 10% of, of my losses. I don't, I don't think that that would really make sense. That's a really, yeah, that's a really interesting situation. A very interesting uh, ETF. Cause it's like, on, on the one hand, it's it's so interesting. It's like, I wonder who first thought of that. Like, that's a very unique product <laughs> to where like, hmm, that is very, very unique. And, you know, maybe maybe worth it if you're very convinced that there's not going to be much downward volatility in the market. Um, you know, if you think the market might go down 5%, that's such, such an odd, uh, an odd way to think about it. Because I think the majority of retail and a good portion of institutional like you said watch for the 20 to 30 percent you just want to not be in the market when that happens right is one of the easiest ways to you know consistently make big returns so that's a a very interesting and maybe it's a thought process of you know if you see it getting towards that 10 percent bound and you pull out you say oh perfect okay this is right at you know i'm about to not be insured anymore this is when i sell or i don't know exactly how it works yeah, I didn't dig in hard enough, but I, I don't think that would be the case because it seemed like it was a reset. It was a 12-month window that reset exactly 12 months later. Uh-huh. So they couldn't guarantee the insurance in between that period because of the, the option strategy they were using. So it, I, again, didn't see the value in it, but that just is is kind of putting some meat on those bones of it's probably worth looking more at the burden than and less at the probability you know, that should probably be your first, your first impression or your first uh, factor that you consider is what's the burden of the risk here, not what's the probability that this risk is going to happen. I think that's probably maybe third, the probability uh, factor, it's maybe third, second or third in the list. Uh, but the burden has to be the, the, the first part for sure in determining if it's worth it or not. That makes sense to me. And I think that like, because otherwise you go kind of go down the weeds of Monte Carlo options pricing and all sorts of fun, uh, fun equations and stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of the times it works. Um, but you know, for the average, to the average investor, you know, if you want to have relatively safe, you know, blue chips with covered calls is pretty classic. Um, <laughs> get a little extra premium on the side from the, from the from folks the, who want to be going a little crazy, but the theta gang. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that that that's definitely a, a a good policy. But I mean, that's not really. So that's almost a risk in and of itself. You know, like you may, uh, you know, if you're doing a short term, if you're writing a short term call, I guess it's not going to be that much risk if it's far out of the money. But um, because we've got a lot of a lot of 
uh, Robin Hooders. Sorry for anyone who used Robin Hood. Uh, but got a lot of Robin Hooders just buying way out of the money options. Calls. Hoodies. <laughs> I want to get hoodies. hoodies. That's it. That's what it should be. We got a lot of hoodies because they're wearing hoodies. I'm just kidding. We're insulting our audience now. Um, no, it, it, it that in and of itself could be a risk as well because, I mean, you could have to sell based on how the option plays out. You could have to sell. Uh, if you're writing the call, so yeah, you're you're losing out on some upside possibility, definitely, possibly. Yeah. But if it's possibly. far out of the it's always, it's always there's always chances of of everything in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best quote ever. There are always chances of everything in the long run. My my long run my my long run forecast for you, Mike, is is that there is a is a high chance of of everything. Just so you know, <laughs> not financial advice, but general advice i would say i know this is financial advice but that's well that's life and general advice so there's yeah. always a high probability of anything at, at any time in the long run. pretty much that that's uh that's just life advice there who knew you were going to get be getting uh grandfather wisdom from uh, mike and austin here in the long run show <laughs> exactly well i want to i want to jump back we talked a good bit about the stock stuff but i want to jump back to your example of the contrasting kind of the more standard insurances that everyone is probably going to be looking at whether or not you're a hoodie or you're active in the market you know maybe you're you're probably might might be looking at life insurance or already have it and optimizing it and that's a lot of stuff that i'm not as uh well versed as you are so i want to i want to hear what you were uh talking about and get a little compare and contrast for our listeners uh before we before we have to wrap up relatively soon yeah yeah so the um well, the nice thing is we don't have a hard commercial break, Mike, so we can just this keep on going. Folks, you're along for the ride. No, we I'm can, kidding. We can make this the longest episode ever. <laughs> the longest <laughs> long run episode ever. It would probably be appropriate with insurance. Um, no, well, just to just to to sum it up. So let's let's go through them kind of relatively briefly, and then you can ask questions where you think would be helpful. So life insurance, kind of its own behemoth, but essentially two different types. You got the the term, which we just discussed. You pay a, a premium for a period of coverage where you'll be paid out the benefit of dying. <laughs> you'll be paid out a death benefit if you die during that term period, um, during that coverage period. So you're just paying for a, you're basically just, just paying for coverage during a set amount of time, 20 years, let's say. If you outlive the term, you're not covered anymore. Then there is permanent insurance, which always pays out, um, there's actually never been a life insurance policy that's not ever paid out. Every insurance policy always pays out as long as, as long as it, there's a legitimate death, a legitimate death claim filed. Um, it always pays out. Now, some people don't file a death claim. That's totally separate. Maybe insurance companies make it hard to file death claims on purpose. I don't know, but I like, living so i'm not gonna t go tread tread too far into those weather um <laughs> no but uh, so you've got the permanent insurance which always pays out pays out when you die you're paying into the policy the whole time uh there's a lot of different calculations that go into that you know if you're buying a policy when you are let's say 75 or 80 versus buying that same policy when you're 35 you're going to be paying a different premium because the risk that they insure you for is adjusted over the life of the policy, but the initial, like your personal risk is, is determined when you start the policy. 
So at 75, you're going to be way less healthy than you are at 35. So that means you're going to pay a larger premium. At that point, sometimes it doesn't make sense to buy insurance um, because they know that they're going to have to pay that insurance out very quickly. And like you said at the beginning, they're not going to make a buck on it. So if you're paying premiums in for 40 years from 35 to 75, then they're going to be able to, to make a buck on it because they're going to take some of that money and invest it. And then also have some of that earmark to be able to pay your insurance, uh, your insurance claim, your death claim when you pass away. Now, if you set it up right, the, the amount you pay in from 35 to 85, let's say, or 95 over that 50 to 60 year period should be less, far less than what you get in return. Right. And the reason that works is because they can take that money and invest a large portion of it. There's also going to be people that live far longer and actually get less. There's going to be people that live um, live a shorter life and actually get more compared to what they paid in. It all tends to even out, but you should be able to make more on the death claim than you paid in in premiums. If you didn't, no one would would buy insurance. Now, some people would still buy insurance because there's really good scam artists out there in the insurance world. It's very unregulated compared to financial advising, very, very unregulated. Um, so you can read some wild stuff um, and it gets very annoying because they they also can just call themselves financial advisor because that's not a, a uh, like a, a regulated term. So a person can be a quote unquote financial advisor, but they only sell insurance. And you know, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. So everything gets solved by insurance for those guys. And it's not necessarily appropriate. So that's life insurance is permanent and term permanent. You're going to get paid out at some point term. You may or may not get paid out depending on when you die. Then you've got the, the home, or excuse me, I should back up. So on, in my estimation, usually it makes sense to do some sort of life insurance. Usually but you want to optimize it so that you pay in far less premium than you get paid out. And you want to be aware of how the whole game is played in that world. Usually it helps to have someone walk you through it. Who's independent and can look at a lot of different options for you. Um, and so that in my estimation usually makes sense, whether it is some sort of term product with, the option to become a permanent product later, or it's some sort of permanent product. Um, again, like we've said in a couple of other instances in this podcast, it depends on the whole scenario at that point, determining if it's a good fit or not. But usually there's usually there's a reason for life insurance. Now, the only reason there wouldn't be is if the you had no risk. So like if an example of that, which might sound weird because everyone has 100% probability of dying, but there may be no burden attached to you dying other than I'm sure an emotional burden for some people, right? I would <laughs> hope you have friends and family and it's emotionally difficult when you pass away because you were loved. Um, but there may not be a financial burden attached to you passing away because maybe you are, you, you don't have uh, necessarily kids, you never married, you just were riding that single wave all the way into your 90s and you, you pass away a happy, jolly single guy. OK, fine. Then you don't really have anything to insure because there's no burden there. You're not 
you know, leaving behind a spouse who needs some more money to be able to live the rest of their life, not leaving behind kids who need to be taken care of, or kids that are adults, but you want to pass on a, some sort of legacy to them. Um, at that point, if somebody's single, sometimes people will write an insurance policy on themselves and use it to pay for an endowment for a college to, to fund some sort of charity. You can do a lot of things with insurance, but there may not be a super good reason if there's no burden, which is why I think burden is the, the number one factor in determining the, the usability or the value of insurance and then probability. If there's no burden. You don't even have to talk about the probability. So that I would say for most people, life insurance will make some sort of sense um, in, in their life. Home insurance. Uh, first, let me stop there and you can ask questions. Did that make sense? No, that makes sense. And I, I, I like that definition of looking at the burden right up front, um, which, which brings in an interesting one because it's like, that's a tough call if you're very young and, and single or, you know, then you might not imagine you, you're not, you don't have burden in the moment, but like you said, if that's the easiest, the cheapest way to get good insurance when you're young and healthy. So it's a, it's an interesting, uh, conundrum to be in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like when you insurance is like when you really need it, you can't get it. And when you don't need it, you can get it really cheap. (laughs) That's pretty much all insurance except for phone insurance. (laughs) Sometimes you can just buy that and be like, Oh, sorry. I dropped my phone. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So I would say that there's probably for most people, there's probably a situation where life insurance makes sense. Home insurance. Well, we don't really, I mean, probability may be very low, but the burden of you being in the street and homeless might be pretty high. Now, if you have multiple properties, maybe you reduce the amount of coverage depending on the property and the utility it has for you as the owner. Maybe I put less on my vacation house because I don't really care. Or maybe I put more on my vacation house because it's worth more and I actually really care about it. It's a family heirloom passed down five generations and I really want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, die and then I or die. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> then it doesn't get destroyed and I can't pay to repair it somehow. Right? Death, death of houses is always a sad thing to see. <laughs> it is always a sad thing to see. Um, so that, I mean, home insurance, I think the burden is, is pretty steady there. Really interesting one um, is almost a subset of this renter's insurance is interesting. Sometimes it's required by your landlord, sometimes not. And, and I, I don't know, I think it's a personal thing. I, I think it also depends on the scenario. Like if you're living in a situation with other roommates or you're in a huge apartment complex may, may definitely be worth it to have some, some renter's insurance. Cause then there's more risks involved. There's more potential risks involved because you have more humans and humans are inherently risky. Um, (laughs) So then it maybe makes sense. But if you're living in a house by yourself and you're just renting the house, maybe it doesn't make sense at that point. Like you don't own the thing. Yeah. You have a lot of stuff in it, but you're the only variable or you and your, you know, wife or husband are the only variable or, or what have you, then probably doesn't necessarily make sense because of the, 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 at that point, yeah, the risk is high, but the probability is is far reduced. Um, I mean, hmm. and maybe even the, the burden isn't that high either. 
So hmm. that that can be a um, kind of a sticky wicket, but you know that that's again a case by case scenario for that one. Um, you have you have anything to add there, Mike? As far as like home or renters, what would you do for renters insurance? Yeah, that's an interesting because I do I actually have renters insurance, but I, I'm actually planning on canceling it. So <laughs> that's an actually really yeah. timely uh, timely thing because it's a. Uh, it's interesting, like you said, it's it's all about the variables and the the risk factors involved, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, and it sounds like we, I mean, at least from my perspective, I've definitely taken a very pessimistic view. It sounds like I'm taking a very pessimistic view over the, this episode of insurance, but I think it it really is in some ways similar to investing in that it, it takes a lot of self-knowledge of your risk profile and yeah like if you don't have house insurance will you be constantly worrying about how did i leave the the did i leave the stove on is the gas yeah. on? Is there gonna be a fire uh if you don't have life insurance you can constantly be worrying about it so it's something where i think like um like we talked about i think in the previous episode of knowing yourself and understanding your risk profile understanding the things that you value the things that you're going to worry about or not worry about is really important. I think for, I think the majority of people, like you said, it's a lot of, a lot of those long-term insurances, home insurance, life insurance, it really makes sense because it's, um, it's kind of things that people will, will likely have to deal with at some point. And, you know, are you going to be worried about it and constantly kind of thinking about it? Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, like you brought up at the beginning, there is some uh, psychoactive value to it as well. You know, it, even if even if you decide that yeah the burden is is catastrophic and i need to ensure this risk yes it it may happen um the probability is is enough that i should ensure it okay also there's just like the mental mental uh, strain associated with it that that could be very valuable to to mitigate um or it could be a relational thing you know like oh my goodness like if i die as is my are my wife and kids gonna be taken care of? You know, that's like a common one for for young families. Um, that that's a very common worry, especially if you know you're you're the the primary breadwinner, or you ha- even if you have two uh, two spouses working, you still got to take care of the kids somehow. They got to go to daycare. There's an expense there, right? So it it definitely there's a mental mental strain as well to think of. Um, as far as and then the other types of insurance, uh, you know, auto insurance is the next one that comes to mind that I think probably everyone's going to run into that. You have to have it. Um, I've, I tend to be more cautious. I'm interested to hear what you think about auto insurance. I tend to be more cautious just because I, I, it, this is a mental, this is perfect to segue because this is a mental thing for me. I've been in a couple accidents before. And so I know that, okay, having insurance to be able to pay for this, this vehicle and or damages outside the vehicle if it's property or you know hopefully not but if it's if it's people if someone goes to the hospital and i'm at fault if i need to you know if i could get sued for that then that makes sense for me to 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 reduce the mental strain and concern um to have a larger amount of liability coverage on on an auto you know policy but that's me. I'm more cautious. And again, that's that's my scenario. And I value that insurance probably differently than other people would because I just have a different history, a different experience of driving. Right. So that's <laughs> whether whether good or bad, that's just how it is. And so I, I probably value having a little bit more coverage. I I don't know what what's your 
What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think I'm actually in a similar boat to you on this one of, of, uh, I, for car insurance. Uh, I think I've had a similar experience where I've not driving and been in an accident and been driving and been in an accident um, and never in a, in a fault situation. I haven't run any red lights. <laughs> like it's never, I've, I've never been the cause of an accident, but it's interesting to see like, what if you didn't have car insurance and you didn't cause an accident, you know, and, and then, you know, some States are no fault. And so it doesn't matter if you caused it or not, if you're right. not getting the payout from the other person where, you know, some States are where you'd get, you'd get covered, but that's kind of scary, especially if you're traveling across state lines regularly, yeah. you know, if you're moving around, um, at least for me, I'm in, I'm in a similar situation where I, I, I'm willing to pay the extra money to kind of have, um, better coverage. Um, and I think, I think car insurance is, is oddly in a similar situation as health insurance because health insurance has so both car and health insurance. There's so many different options yeah. where it's at least and in variables. My, exactly. At least in my head, home and life insurance are kind of similar in that, you know, there's like one kind of thing that can happen. You know, you, you, you die or your home is destroyed and, you know, maybe there's different levels of moderate damage to a house or something. I, I don't know. I, I thought you were going to say different levels. To <laughs> only mostly dead. Only uh, what's the uh, Prince of Pride girl? Only nearly. He's only nearly dead. Something like that. Only nearly dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I think that car and health are in this interesting category where there is a lot of different costs possible a lot of different variables possible um and for me I, i'm actually i would say i'm probably more on the cautious side similar to what you're saying on both where i i would i would rather spend a little more on on both car auto and, and health insurance and kind of have that added protection yeah just for the edification of our of our audience i looked up that quote it's mostly dead is slightly alive <laughs> so, nice <laughs> for those who are trying to string the quote together there you are um, yeah I, I see what you're i see what you mean thinking of them kind of similarly they 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 do seem to have some some kind of crossover there and, and health insurance everybody's gonna probably bump into that at some point um i've surprisingly had different experiences than i than i thought i would have with health insurance um not and and this is just me probably just being a young guy and not having used it a lot yet, but I haven't yet seen the, the value of it, even though I totally understand it and and definitely like pay a premium for it. I, I would I'd pay a premium for, for good health insurance, but I haven't really seen the value yet just because I haven't used it. Um, but I, I've seen it in in other, you know, in others or family members or friends, that that sort of scenario. It seems Again, most of this stuff, it's like, well, yeah, health insurance, health insurance is its own behemoth, but it seems like, yeah, it probably makes probably makes sense. Um, as far as the other pieces of insurance, you know, I, I don't think appliances or we've been over this appliances, devices doesn't really make sense to me. Um, sounds like it doesn't make sense to you either. That was when he, when he said insurance, I was thinking like life and auto. And then you you brought up the the devices and the appliances, and I was like, "Where? I forgot there was insurance on those because I think it's so dumb. I never use it." <laughs> and uh, Best Buy Insurance or oh, Apple yeah. Insurance or any any of those companies, feel free to feel free to uh, send us some 
stats on LinkedIn or start an argument with us. That, I can prove us wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to change my mind on something. But for me, it's like that kind of insurance, which is so common. I mean, you're going to be buying so much of that stuff, especially as phones have become more and more disposable. People just <laughs> yeah. get new phones so often. Or planned ob- uh, obsolescence. Exactly. That's a thing too. Exactly. Be careful with those updates, folks. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, I mean, travel insurance, a case-by-case scenario, I've never used it. I don't see the point. Especially now, post-pandemic, a lot of, of airlines are just essentially offering you insurance via vouchers or really flexible yeah. change rules, all, all of that. So it doesn't seem to be super valuable. Um, lastly, before we let these fine folks go, the portfolio side of things, the investment side of things, it seems like maybe we don't think that that is super valuable. I, I, I guess I'm kind of speaking for both of us here. My opinion would probably be that everything I've seen thus far um, seems like the 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 premium would probably outweigh uh, the the benefits of insuring any sort of like downside risk because you're you're gonna have to reduce some of the upside. Um, there's no holy grail that's, you know, like zero volatility and, you know, 100% of the upside. That's just not a thing. So that that's that's just where I kind of stand on that. But um, maybe there's scenarios where I wouldn't really call it, a, you know, insurance for your portfolio, but maybe adjusting the riskiness of your portfolio based on other factors like timeline as far as when you're going to use the capital. Um, that probably makes more sense to me. I, I don't think there's the 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 reward is is far smaller than the premium you'd pay for it. In my yeah, view, it, it, especially if, talking in the long run, it seems like you know if we're talking about short term, if you think in the next three months something crazy is going to happen, uh, maybe you you know put some shorts on on something. Put some shorts on. That's <laughs> just put some shorts. <laughs> change on. your pants. Put some shorts on. Come on. Um, <laughs> and then go for a dip. Go jump in the lake. Yeah. Cool off. <laughs> Uh, but it seems like insurance in terms of a portfolio perspective is usually for short-term actions. Um, if you're talking in the long run, if you think in the long run, the market is going to just keep going down. Why are you in the market? Either (laughs) you need your strategy should either be you're shorting the market over the long run, which would be your strategy. And so if you want to insure against that, do you, then you just buy some of it. So you buy, you know, it is, I think the long run methodology, I think almost insurance, for portfolio is you know maybe all investments maybe it's real estate maybe it's um wine or you know those those kind of cool alternatives seem like a a better form of quasi insurance where diversification is kind of insurance in in one way you know it's not it's not necessarily tendered by a company that is offering you a payout if something happens it's more of you creating your own insurance by diversifying and changing your risk portfolio to different different things Uh, so i think in terms of a portfolio it seems like the best insurance from my perspective is diversification according to how you perceive your own uh, ability to handle risk in different scenarios yeah and i think also it might be helpful to zoom out from just like thinking about your portfolio in terms of your one login to your investing account your portfolio should include if you're taking taking everything into account should include the cash you have in the bank right and your emergency fund and all of that so maybe maybe the 
the insurance in air quotes that that you would be using for your portfolio is could be dubbed like a war chest of cash sitting on the sidelines ready to go buy when everything else dips. And yes, your portfolio is going to dip along with that, but you've got cash to go in and buy it at fire sale prices. So that would be the only thing I can think that's close to some sort of insurance other than, yeah, of course, diversification and spreading out among different you know, risk profiles and, and asset classes. Um, but that's kind of the only thing I can think of that would be quasi insurance for your portfolio that, that would actually be effective. Mm. Yeah. Again, not financial advice, but uh, would love to hear uh, opposing perspectives or agreements or anything. So if you're going to drop us a line and uh, let us know what you think about the world of insurance, the, the wild, wonderful world of insurance. <laughs> the wild, wonderful world of insurance. Well, that is quite the alliteration and we're going to have to uh, put a pin in it there. This has been another episode of The Long Run Show. Hopefully you will, will join us next time. Uh, you know, one of the future episodes we'll be talking about actually what we just talked about in the last five minutes um some of the the more personal side of investing and, and kind of thinking through um what it looks like what, you, what your whole situ look, situation looks like as a investor not just your one login to your one investing account um so that's that look for that in an, an upcoming episode um, but until then, drop us a five-star review. Like I said last time, if you want to drop a one-star, don't go to LinkedIn and argue <laughs> with us there, hopefully publicly. If you're rude, I just won't answer you. But I'll answer. I'll, I'll be the, the dedicated answer. Mike, Mike will definitely answer. Uh, but no, feel, feel free to drop us a, a review. That definitely helps out. And share the podcast. If you if you know somebody who's has questions, we, we have some uh, we have a decent library building up here. So if people have questions on crypto, if they have questions on inflation, uh, and questions on NFTs, all that, all that sort of thing. What is value? We did a show on that. Definitely share share some episodes. Insurance, obviously, you're here. If you like this episode, share it. Um, getting the word out definitely helps us out. So if you found this valuable, please feel free to share it. And we'll be uh, like a little exciting uh, aside as well. We'll be having some guests on in some of our future episodes as well, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, kind of branching out and bringing in perspectives uh, looking forward to not just the two of us rambling on but having some <laughs> fresh perspectives and, uh, and fun discussions exactly maybe we'll find a uh, find a, another cynical bloke and another uh, optimistic bloke to join the join the wild <laughs> wild show that this is awesome well as always thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time Thank you.